0: Iron Goliath Podcast Episode 4. I'm your host, Marco Cirillo, and as always, this is brought to you by fanatics.com. Get your license gear from all major sports leagues at a discounted rate site-wide on fanatics.com. Going to jump right into it today and start with the Eric Bienemy controversy. I understand racism is a huge, huge, huge problem in all industries, not just football anything, and you could debate a wall about that. Racism is a gigantic systemic problem that is dealt with throughout the league, throughout the world, especially in this country. It's a huge problem. I don't believe it's the problem with the Eric Bienemy situation. This is D'Amico Ryan's first head coaching cycle. He got a job. Eric Biennemi has been through multiple cycles and has not been hired and it's not like we haven't had black coaches hired since this has happened david coley lovey smith D'Amico ryan's have all been hired by the same franchise you have had black coaches get jobs since the has been looked at and this dating back to 2019 maybe the guy just isn't cut out for it i understand it's a problem and it needs to be discussed but i don't think eric b is the poster child for it And the fact that this is national news every single day is crazy to me, because it's not like he was the most qualified person, and everybody else that got a job isn't. Frank Reich's a phenomenal football coach. He deserves a job. Sean Payton, although I don't agree with how that happened, and what the Broncos had to give up, is a Super Bowl winning head coach. One of the most respected of this era. D'Amico Ryans, up-and-comer, only 36 years old, 37 years old, coached the best defense in football this year. So D'Amico Ryans, as deserving as anybody. Now, once you start getting into the Eagles coaches, BNME is more accomplished than Steichen as an offensive coordinator, but he does lose luster because of the Mahomes and Reid of it all. And if you don't think that, you're simply wrong. The guy has interviewed year after year after year and isn't getting the job. Maybe just because teams don't believe that he can take them forward. And I don't think that's a systemic issue. I just don't. I just think that specifically Eric B aime the person, is not who people want coaching their team. For whatever reason. I don't think that this is a race issue, considering we've seen plenty of other coaches of color receive employment over the past four years. I think the just is a better coordinator than a head coach. And I think if other teams believed otherwise, he would have been hired a while ago. Yes, there's still a huge disparity between coaches of color and coaches that are white. We understand that. It is still an issue. That doesn't mean that every coach of color is more deserving of the job. The huge one last year was Brian Flores and Brian Dable because of how the situation allegedly went down. Brian Dable proved out to be a phenomenal football coach, as evidenced by his Coach of the Year award. But last offseason, it was that. This offseason, it's the enemy. And while I think more coaches of color need an opportunity, and by the way, I don't think the Rooney rule is the way to do it, forcing teams to interview coaches simply because of their race doesn't force them to hire said coaches, one. And two, you can't force any private organization to hire anybody. So to force an interview to act like you've taken the moral high ground only adds to the issue. It singles out those individuals. It makes it so Steve Wilkes, Leslie Frazier, and Eric Bieniemy have to go through these interviews when they were never the favorite to get the job. And now it looks worse than it actually is. Maybe these teams wouldn't have even interviewed Eric Bieniemy, not because of the color of his skin, but because of the fact that his quarterback doesn't give him any credit. Can we talk about that? He gave Mike Kafka all the credit and now he's giving Matt Nagy all the credit. Maybe he just doesn't mesh well with the Maybe the isn't the reason for their success. Maybe just maybe Eric B is not cut out to be a head coach in the National Football League and maybe we have to start coming around to that idea. What the NFL has to do, and some people aren't going to like this idea, but they've tried incentivizing teams to have black coordinators by giving them conditional draft picks when these coordinators are signed as head coaches elsewhere. I think a competitive advantage in football to these owners, frankly, is not a big enough deal to them. It's a big deal to a GM. But it's not a big enough deal for owners. I think the only way that you get guys who truly care more about money, there might be five owners in football that care more about the team than care about their wallet. Honestly, if you start offering these guys money to go ahead, make sure that they're coordinators of color, move up the ranks, get hired as head coaches elsewhere, is to give them a very, very, hefty financial reward for that. And the NFL can afford to do it. I think that's the only way because money talks louder than hatred to these people. It does. Money matters the most when you're talking to billionaires. At the end of the day, the dollar is king. And if you give a hefty enough financial reward for making this happen, then you might start to see the disparity drop a little bit. Until something changes that isn't the Rooney rule, which just embarrasses these guys because they're only getting an interview as a consolation prize to follow some Fugazi rule that doesn't actually do anything for them and just wastes everybody's time, give the owners a good amount of money and they will move. Watch it happen. You might have... 10 organizations, and I'm being generous in the league, where that won't affect their process and their way of doing things, everyone else will jump at it. It's natural. It's human nature, especially when you're talking to billionaires. Money is going to talk more so than draft picks. They'll build their team without a third round compensatory pick. Okay, That's not incentive enough for them to really start to change. The dollar talks, They will listen, and that's how you make it happen. And that's the only way I see it happening. There are a lot of problems that need to be fixed in this league, in this country. If you want to actually start incentivizing those hires for both GMs and coaches, you start by making, put your money where your mouth is. You're going to have the moral high ground, you're going to have end racism in the end zone of every game, on the back of every helmet. Look at your own organization internally and make actual changes that actually promote the ideas that you are trying to spread. Otherwise, it's all a lie. Otherwise, you look like frauds and we all see through it. People are not stupid. We all see that you have the Rooney rule in place just because you want to make it look like you're doing something when you know for a fact that that does not promote any sort of change that you claim you are trying to promote make it financial, make it hit the wallet, And that's when you'll start seeing those changes. But don't come to me with the Rooney rule or compensatory draft picks and act like you're practicing what you preach. It's hypocritical. It's a snack in the mouth to anybody that considers themselves a critical thinker. It's ridiculous. And the NFL should be ashamed at how they've handled this year after year after year. Again, I don't think it's the reason Biennemi hasn't been hired, but it's definitely the reason that we only have four coaches of color and not. A much closer amount when most of the players are people of color uh, we know that there is a disparity it's right in our faces and we know that the nfl has not made an actual effort to correct said disparity it's a problem it needs to be addressed i just don't think that eric Bien-Aimé should be the poster child for it that's it on that On the last episode, we talked about the top quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers on the market. Today, we'll be getting into all other positions, and we'll start right in with tight ends. So, I'm in the camp that truly believes that Mike Gesicki could be a genuine, solid weapon on the right team. I don't understand how McDaniel didn't utilize him more. I understand that he's not a traditional tight end. He he plays kind of like a Travis Kelsey, though. Obviously not on the level that Travis Kelsey does because nobody does. But Mike Gesicki in the right offense could be extremely valuable. Rare set of hands on a tight end. Runs decent enough routes often gets enough separation, makes some spectacular catches. There are definitely some offenses that could use a big-body guy over the middle to spread things out a little bit. I mean, there are several teams. Uh, Look at the Bengals. If the Bengals don't retain uh, Hayden Hurst, who I believe is a free agent as well, yes, he is. If the Bengals wanted to upgrade there and put in Gesicki, all of a sudden, I don't know how you cover that team. Because you have the big body over the middle with Gesicki now. You have Higgins on the outside, who they'll keep for this year. I believe he could be on the trade market. But I think they'd rather tag him and trade him next year than let him walk this year when they're still in such a prime position to compete for a title. We'll see what happens. But let's assume they keep T. Higgins. Hayden Hurst walks. Now they have Gesicki on the inside. Higgins on the outside. Chase, you could line up on the outside or the slot. I'm not sure if they'll retain Tyler Boyd. I think they will because he's a team leader and probably won't be too expensive to retain. So that's a very solid offense when you throw in a guy with Gesicki's skill set. And they used Hayden Hurst often enough to where you plug in Gesicki into the same role. And all of a sudden, I mean, this offense becomes that much better. So I would love to see Gesicki in a situation like Cincinnati where he could go ahead and compete for a title. He's a good enough player to bring an offense to the next level, and I think we could see it there. Dalton Schultz, the Cowboys are not going to be able to re-sign him, and they're not going to tag him again. So he'll definitely be on the market. Solid blocker, solid receiver. I wouldn't say that he's an elite tight end, but he's good enough to... To where if your team has a blocking deficiency, maybe in the run game, um, if you need a good safety valve that can just get in space, Schultz, I really think, can improve a roster and make an offense that much better. I don't think he's an elite talent by any means, but that's a solid football player that could definitely make a team a little better. And then the only other one that really interests me, I mean, you have Hurst, you have Tanyan, you have Hooper, but the only one that stands out as a true interest is probably Evan Ingram. The guy can flat out blaze past you. His only problem is his brick hands. And obviously, he's more of a receiver than anything else. He's not your typical blocking tight end. As a Giants fan and a huge hater of Evan Ingram, as I should be, I'm right to be. Doug Peterson properly utilized Evan Ingram last year, and he proved that he can be a productive player in this league. He'll get paid. I'm not sure if Jacksonville will retain him or not. We'll see. But Evan Ingram deserves to get paid. He can be an elite player in this league in the right offense. It's frustrating that he's proving that now, but he's a good football player. We'll see what happens. Other than that, the tight end position is very boring as far as free agency goes, as it often is, but wanted to touch on it because there are a few interesting names there. Moving on to offensive line, if your team needs offensive line help this offseason, especially on the outside, and they have the cap space for it, this is the year I mean, there are some names on here. You have Orlando Brown, age 27, offensive tackle, one of the best in football, obviously just won the Super Bowl with the Chiefs and is coming off of the franchise tag. I think the Chiefs will do everything that they can to try to keep him, but they're not in the best cap shape. They'll have to figure that out. Orlando Brown, though, absolute beast. You have Mike McClinchy, who... Has had injuries since being drafted a while ago, including the torn quad that he had in 21, but he is a consistent right tackle. He plays solid football, and he's definitely going to be the top option, I believe, at that right tackle spot in free agency. The only question are some health concerns, but he's a solid, solid player when he's on the field. Uh, Caleb McGarry. You know, these are names that a lot of people haven't heard about, especially because he played for the Falcons, but that was a solid unit this year that people didn't pay much attention to because it's the Falcons. They were a lousy team to watch. Algier and Patterson both had very top solid seasons because of what this O-line was able to do. Caleb McGarry was a huge part of that. I think he'll definitely get tagged by the Falcons. I don't think they'll let him walk. He's easily one of the top franchise tag candidates. And by the way, all of those tags can start being placed as of Tuesday this week, uh, likely right after this podcast is released. I think McGarry is a lock to get tagged, but we'll see what happens there. Jawan Taylor, only 25 years old, did an Awesome job protecting Trevor Lawrence this year, made him look a lot more comfortable. Um, You know, he isn't the best run blocker out there. Excellent pass protector, though, and that's the most important thing in today's NFL, let's be real. Um, Another guy that I think isn't going to hit the market. I think the Jaguars will do their best to make sure that they retain him, but Jawan Taylor, another guy to look at. I mean, just a ton of guys hitting free agent. Even Calvin Beecham, who's older, 34 years old. But we've seen older tackles pan out for six years when people think they're done. Look at Whitworth, Jason Peters. I mean, guys are capable of doing it. And while the Cardinals were horrible this year, Beecham still looked like an elite player. You know, the guy just... Does not miss plays. He doesn't miss games. He's consistent through and through. He'll be an attractive option going forward. As far as interior offensive linemen, they're at a premium as well, especially at center. You have Ethan Pochick at 28 years old, coming off a great season with the Browns. Uh, Jason Kelsey, who's older, but he's Jason Kelsey. He was a first-team All-Pro. I really don't believe that the eagles let him walk and i don't believe he wants to play anywhere else that is his home it's unfortunate i've had to deal with it for 13 years now but he is an absolute beast he could be a free agent i don't think he will be but still worth noting and then at guard you have guys like isaac simualu Coming off of, and I just butchered his name. I apologize, Isaac. But he's been consistent for the Eagles as well. Another excellent player. They'll do their best to lock him up. I think that'll be a priority for them. You have Dalton Reisner with the Broncos. Excellent guard. One of the better pullers in the league. And he's excellent in pass protection from the inside, which most teams could very much use. And Denver... They're in a bit of a crunch as far as cap. They might try to tag him. I think he will end up hitting the open market, though, and that'll be very interesting for his market. I think he'll be one of the top guys getting paid this offseason, as well as Ben Powers at guard. Uh, The Ravens just signed Roquan Smith to a pretty hefty extension. Obviously, they'll be trying to sign Lamar, who I think they have to tag. I don't think that that deal gets done within the next couple of weeks before free agency starts. So I think that Ben Powers could very much hit the open market, and he is an absolutely elite guard. Did not allow a sack the entire season. Not the best run blocker on the planet, but again, if you get good pass protection from your interior offensive line in today's NFL you're going to be a better offense for it. So I think Ben Powers will absolutely be one of those guys that gets paid. The offensive line free agency class is very, very solid. Uh, I just I think there are a lot of home runs for teams hidden within the free agent offensive line. I and mean, you also have other guys like Justin Pugh, who I wouldn't necessarily put in my top 10 of free agents, but he could be a discount for somebody. He's a good enough pass blocker and an excellent run blocker on the inside. You know, there are some names out there that could definitely fly under the radar as far as offensive linemen go to where you're really starting to see it pay dividends for the teams that do that. So that wraps it up for offenses. We covered QB running back and wide receiver last week. Today we covered tight end and offensive line. And now we'll move on to the defensive side of the ball. I very much like the top end of this class as far as defensive interior linemen go for 2023 free agents. I think there are a lot of good options here for teams in need of some interior pressure, some teams that had trouble stopping the run this year. Uh, Deron Payne from Washington, I think that he's probably their top free agent, and therefore he'll likely receive the tag. Uh, They have already committed to Sam Howell, so they're not spending a lot on quarterback this year. They could probably tag De'Ron Payne and then sign him to an extension. I believe that's probably what they'll do, and I'll be coming out with an article probably as of the release of this podcast detailing which guys I think are definitely primed to receive the tag, and I think De'Ron Payne is up there with the best of them with the highest likelihood uh dalvin tomlinson on the other hand still only 29 years old feels like he's been in the league forever but dalvin tomlinson will hit the open market because minnesota has too much to figure out as far as caps concerned i think dalvin tomlinson is one of the better run stoppers in football still i think that he definitely can rush the passer from that interior position as well still a really solid football player it'll be interested to see where he goes but ideally, he'll end up with a contender that had trouble stopping the run. I know the Eagles will likely be in contention for him based upon what we saw from them. Signing Limvol Joseph and Sue, who will both be free agents now in the middle of the year, especially since Fletcher Cox, now 32 years old, is also a free agent. They'll probably try to sign him back for cheap. We'll see what happens. He is a lifer with the Eagles, obnoxiously enough. Fletcher Cox is another guy that is on that market. I think the Eagles are going to try to get him back for cheap and also sign Tomlinson. We'll see what happens, but both those guys will almost certainly hit the open market as well as Javon Hargrave, who I think is the best interior lineman that the Eagles had saved for uh, Jordan Davis, and I know we're talking a lot of Eagles, but it's true. I mean, these are all guys that I firmly believe could be in play for them, and Man, Uh, Hargrave, now 30, a little older, but he is a stud of a ball player, and I'd be surprised if they let him walk. That's more or less it on defensive interior linemen. I mean, a lot of very high guys that are still productive to this day. Of course, you also have David Onyemata. From New Orleans, solid player at 30, but he's more of a rotational guy at this point in his career. Uh, same with Matty A. Sean Robinson, Andrew Billings, all good football players that could probably get signed on the cheap, but nothing too crazy and noteworthy past those top four guys. Again, Javon Hargrave, still a productive player. Um, Fletcher Cox still can be. You have to limit his snaps, but... A high value player for sure at this point that could probably end up taking a home team discount with the Eagles. I see that happening. Deron Payne likely get to get tagged as far as I'm concerned and Dalvin Tomlinson who will definitely hit the open market and for me is probably the top interior defensive lineman that can be signed. We'll see where he ends up going. Moving on to edge rushers. Marcus Davenport who I believe the Saints will do everything to retain, that is a name that has fallen so under the radar for years, even though he's been a consistently productive player. Um, I think he's excellent. I hope that he ends up elsewhere where he could potentially get a little more exposure. He's that talented a player. We just haven't had a chance to really see it. Other than that, man, it is... Rough as far as edge rushers go. I mean, Arden Key out of Jacksonville's a good player. Samson Ebucom has been solid as far as just a guy that he's kind of a mercenary at this point. Guy gets signed, does a pretty good job. Nothing that special. Uh, Okoronkwo from Houston, kind of the same deal. Good player, not great. I mean, Jadavion Clowney as far as several rankings is number two as an edge rusher. It's just, it's not a great time to be in need. Justin Houston still can be good in a rotational ro- role Same as Melvin Ingram, uh, Trey flowers, Kyle van Noy, all kind of older guys. Trey flowers, not really that great a pass rusher. Yeah. I mean, Yannick and who is too low on a lot of rankings. He's been one of the most underrated players in football, for the vast majority of his career. I mean, still a very solid player. But you look at this list of guys and it's just nothing that's really popping out. Um, Kind of a letdown if you need an edge rusher. You're definitely going to have to look in the draft. Shout out to anybody that needs one high in the draft. I think Will Anderson is going to be an absolute smash in the league. But not what we're discussing today. Um, Very underwhelmed with this group of edge rushers for sure but we'll see what comes of it uh, and continue on with the front seven we'll jump right into linebackers so Levante David is 33 years old and still one of the better linebackers in football and if he chooses to keep playing Tampa I don't believe will re-sign him I think we're kind of heading towards a rebuild there I think you're going to see big names traded from there as they get draft capital. I don't think that they believe that they're a quarterback away unless they could pull up another crazy move like getting Aaron Rodgers or something like what they did with Brady a few years ago, but I don't really see that happening. I think this team's heading towards rebuild. I think Levante David will be available, and I think it'll be at a reasonable price given the fact that he's 33. We'll see what happens there. I really like TJ Edwards from Philadelphia. I think he could be a potential game changer for a team that struggled at a linebacker. He's a solid football player, not terrible in coverage, good in run stopping. I mean, it, he's an all-arounder. He's nothing spectacular that just blows you away, but he can make plays pretty much all over the field from that linebacker spot. Definitely a guy to keep an eye on. Um, We also have Tremaine Edmonds from Buffalo, still only 25 years old. I think that he showed massive improvement this year. I think he's a guy that in the right system could massively improve a defense. Um, Phenomenal tackler, got better in coverage. Looking forward to seeing where he ends up, but I think that's a solid option at linebacker for a team in need, again, only at 25 years old. Also, Leighton Vander Ash, who kind of peaked very, very early and has fallen off since. He's still a good football player. I don't know if he'll ever reach the potential that he was supposed to have. He's already 27. Um, He still has good years left in him. I just don't know... If he'll ever be what he was his rookie year, which is crazy because he was highly touted and very productive. Injuries have definitely played a role in the fact that he's fallen off, but still a solid enough option that probably won't have to break the bank. Uh, there's also Bobby Okereke from Indy, who I think's an excellent player, think he's a little dirty. But sometimes a defense could use that attitude. Definitely looking to see where he ends up. I think Indy will try to retain him. We'll see what happens on that front, though. But that's, he seems like a Chris Ballard guy. So we'll see what happens with Okariki. And then there are a few other options, like Alex Singleton, Jermaine Pratt, Kaden Ellis, all good players. Nothing really all that spectacular. But they'll get signed somewhere as depth, and they'll end up playing some minutes. Uh, That's pretty much it on the linebacker front. I think that Tremaine Edmonds is probably the best option out there. Bobby Okereke definitely up there for me. Um, Levante David in the right fit. Again, he's older, so you never know when he kind of hits that cliff. 33 is pretty old for a linebacker, but he could still be productive, I believe, with the right amount of snaps and in the right defense. And David Long out of Tennessee is a good football player, too. Uh, nothing too crazy. Um, Edmonds will help a team a lot. Okariki probably will too, but I think he'll stay with the Colts. Moving on to corner, this is where it gets interesting because there are some options at corner. Uh, Jamel Dean, for all the. Talk about the Bucks the past couple of years and what they've been able to do when they got Brady. It was such a talented roster. Jamel Dean has somehow fallen under the radar in those ranks. He's a really good corner. I mean, he might be a top 15 guy in football that just does not get talked enough. He plays aggressive. He has great ball skills. Jamel Dean, definitely a guy I'm looking for for a team that needs corner help and has the capital to pay. He could definitely improve a defense massively. Uh, James Bradbury, now 30 years old, but he proved he could still be one of the best in football. Um, Working across from Slay, he was phenomenal this year for the Eagles. He was a big part of the reason they were in the Super Bowl. Um, James Bradbury can still play football. I don't know if he commands big money at this point, given his age, but he'll get some sort of contract from a contending team. ...and likely boost a major defense. Looking forward to see where he he ends up. Patrick Peterson's still playing, guys. You know, not at the elite level that he once did, but he's kind of another mercenary-type player where you sign him to a year, you see if he still has it, and he could end up helping your defense. That Minnesota defense was beyond help this year. Donatello needed to be fired for what happened to that defense... But there were games this year where Patrick Peterson really stepped up and made some big plays for that Vikings defense, and he still can do that. I mean, he's better than your average run-of-the-mill corner still to this day, even after being in the league, what, 12 years now? 2011, I believe he was drafted. So Patrick Peterson, a name that I'm absolutely looking at as well. Emmanuel Mosley, very quietly good season in San Francisco. Um, I'd be shocked if Houston doesn't add a little more corner help across from Stingley. And I think Mosley would be a good target given how well he played with D'Amico Ryans. Uh, Cameron Sutton out of Pittsburgh had a nice season under the radar because that team was difficult to watch at times. Credit to Mike Tomlin. He's still got them over 500. I'm still amazed by that, but Cameron Sutton can play football and he'll put up some solid minutes for a good team. Uh, Marcus Peters, another mercenary. <laughs> this guy is the definition of a hawk. The problem is he gives up way too many big plays, and especially in the AFC North, the way that it's structured, you can't afford to do that with the Bengals there. I don't think that Baltimore retains Marcus Peters. I thought he was excellent in Wink Martindale's scheme, which makes the quarterback make fast decisions, get the ball out quick, and that, was, that made him very able to to jump routes, get his pick sixes. Uh, He's an all-or-nothing corner, and I do like what he brings to the table. I don't think he commands big money. I think a team that's willing to put up with that risk and reward could end up rewarding themselves very well. You do have to put up with the frustrating plays, though, of why was Marcus Peters 15 yards away from the receiver? Because he is a guess all or nothing corner and if he guesses wrong you are in big trouble that's why he hasn't been able to stick with the team as at least that's what i believe um but marcus peters is he's been on several contending teams i mean he's never played for a bad team in his career you're talking chiefs rams ravens this guy plays for good teams so we'll see i'm sure another contender will give him a shot and i'm sure he will be productive albeit with a few numbskull headaches in the middle. Um, Back to the Buccaneers, Sean Murphy Bunting, another great corner that also is going to hit the open market at just 26 years old. He'll be helpful for a team. He can work in the slot and outside. Definitely a good guy to watch. Rocky Sin from Vegas. I felt he had a rough year. The metrics say otherwise. He's still a good enough football player to where he can make a difference. Byron Murphy from Arizona. I think Jonathan Gannon's going to do everything that he can to try to retain him. Really good young player in Byron Murphy that fits well into what Gannon will want to do. I don't see how Arizona lets him walk. I think that's one of the pieces that they'll retain even as they go through this rebuild period. And uh, they'll get a deal done there. I think he's one of the guys that'll get franchise tagged as well. We'll see what happens there. But, I mean, corners are lining this board. Even guys like Mike Hughes in Detroit, good football player. Rashad Fenton, good football player. Um, there are corners that really should not hit the market on this list that might just because of cap situations. And I think that Mike Hughes could be a casualty of that because obviously Detroit has other players that they need to make sure that they lock up and pay. Rashad Fenton could very well end up on the open market. Isaiah Oliver from Atlanta. They, they're not retaining every single corner in Atlanta. So you're going to have either Fenton or Oliver, who are both good football players, hit the market. Um, that's more or less it on corners. But I mean, that is an extensive list. Uh, Teams that need help in the secondary this year that have cap space are going to do very well. I mean, they should clean up. And then moving on to safety, Jesse Bates might be my favorite player in free agency this year, save for maybe Orlando Brown because Lamar Jackson isn't in the open market. So outside of those two guys, Jesse Bates is a really good football player. He is everything you want out of a safety. He can hit hard. He has excellent ball skills. He's a leader of the defense. And Cincinnati can't tag him again. So Bates is going to get paid either by Cincinnati or he is going to massively help another team. He's still only 26 years old. And he is just a great football player. I mean, I could gush about it watch his highlights he plays safety the way that it was intended to be played and i really think that cincinnati will do their best to retain him but they can't tag him so you got to give him a deal or you just have to accept that your defense is going to be a little worse next year because he is a game changer that defense is awesome mostly because of luana rumo despite its lack of town, and Bates is a huge part of that. I think that would be a huge loss for Cincinnati. But you have Burrow, you have to pay. You have Chase, you have to pay. You have Higgins, you potentially have to pay. You can't pay everybody. And Bates might just be a casualty of the fact that he can't get paid. On that team, there's too many mouths to feed. So we'll see what happens. Jesse Bates hits the open market outside of maybe Orlando Brown. That's probably my favorite guy. That'll be a free agent. Jordan Poyer is still playing good football too at 32 years old. Um, he won't command a lot of money. I genuinely think he likes Buffalo enough to the point where he will end up staying there, maybe on a little bit of a discount. We've seen crazier things, but he, him and Micah Hyde are just a phenomenal duo. I, I mean, they have been the best safety duo in the league probably three years now. Very impressive stuff that they've put together up there. I think they keep that going. I think Jordan Poyer likely ends up staying in Buffalo. But something to watch. At 32 years old, he's still a solid player. Then you have Taylor Rapp's going to be available. The Rams can't afford to sign anybody, so he'll hit the market at 25 years old. Von Bell, Cincinnati's having some safety issues if they can't retain either of these guys. Another solid young player. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who Philly traded for, I believe they'll get a deal done. He might be who they end up using that franchise tag on. We'll see what happens. I don't see them letting C.G.J. go. I think he stays with them. They'll figure it out. Um, Again, they traded for him, but he was excellent for them. A real difference maker on that defense. Safety might be even better than corner now as I'm going through it on the pod with you guys. Yeah, Adrian Amos, still only 30, great player. Andrew Adams, who I feel like has played forever and for everyone, still a ball-hawking safety, can absolutely make plays. Had another big uh, pick six for Tennessee this year. So Andrew Adams, a guy on the list. I mean, the safety market is great. So if you're looking for secondary help, this is the year to do it. If you have the space and can cash in, the safeties and corners are phenomenal, really looking forward to seeing where that ends up and at this point we've gone through every single position um secondary's looking good offensive line's looking good defensive line outside of the top three interior guys is meh receiver is horrible running backs aren't worth signing we've talked about this before i'll talk about tall and blue in the face don't ever sign a running back don't do it don't sign a running back the quarterback market is solid what I miss? tight end tight ends are good enough for what tight ends are I think that the draft class for tight end is a little better and we'll start getting into the draft once free agency winds down a little bit here but a lot to look forward to in free agency from the uh secondary perspective and quarterback's going to be very interesting this year again as well so that's it for today's episode we went through the entirety of free agency I'll definitely be on at least another time this week. And looking forward to speaking to you guys soon. Remember, brought to you by Fanatics. Click the link below, subscribe, like. Thank you for your support. We're going to keep going.